Right now, what I want to do is uh, I want to give a special welcome to our friends in Bethel. We're on video today with you, so you're up close and personal. Yeah, you see that? Yeah. Um, we're glad you're with us in the city today. If you're here with us, we actually have a special guest with us today. We're finishing up this conversation about the fruit of the Spirit. And today's the last um, fruit that we're going to be mentioning before we wrap it all up next week, which you do not want to miss. But today we're talking about gentleness. And uh, I've asked a, a special person to come here today. His name's Carl Ramos. We've known each other for too many years. I'm not going to mention it. We were figuring it out in the back, uh, back from when we both found ourselves um, in family ministries in Arizona. And um, we've watched each other kind of journey through and God use us in the kingdom. He right now is at a church called Bayside in Sacramento, um, which is a, a large multi-site church. And this is the deal. He is a fantastic communicator. Um, and so I'm really thankful that we all um, get to hear God speak to us through him about gentleness. So would you please give Carl Ramos a, a Northgate welcome. So grateful for Larry's friendship. And Northgate, thanks for having me this morning. And just want to say hello to uh, the Bethel campus, man. We're so glad that you guys join us also. Um, yeah, we are, Larry and I are terribly old, but we hide it in skinny jeans. You can't see, you can't see it. Come on, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So, uh, like Larry said, uh, for, we're both from Arizona, spent some time in Arizona, but now living here in uh, Northern California, uh, my beautiful wife, Jen, who's not here this morning, but we have two little babies, they're not really babies, they're seven and four, two little caramel babies, I love them, my wife's white, I'm black, caramel babies, you see what I'm doing there? And uh, I love those girls, uh, but I gotta tell you, when, when we first had the girls, I didn't do anything. When Jen first had the girls, like, I, I remember her just like constantly telling me, constantly, Carl, be gentle. Any dads, you know, remember those days? Gentle, gentle. And everything was about being gentle, and I'm like, Babe, like, I, I, I'm one of seven boys. The word gentle didn't exist in our house. Like, like the only tool we ever had in our house was a hammer, it was it. <laughs> It's like, if you can't fix it with a hammer, you can't fix it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I got to build a house, hammer. I got to open a can of soup, hammer. I got to put a diaper on somebody, hammer. <laughs> right? It was like, there's no such thing as gentle growing up. So that, that was hard for me to, to, to kind of get that with our girls. And, and really, there was just some, there's always been something really emasculating about that word gentle. It's like, oh, you're so gentle. Right? Like, like, the gentle guy doesn't end up with the girl at the end of the movie. He's baking cookies or something. So that, that, that idea of gentleness, when Paul writes this to the church in, in, in Galatia, and he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, or, or really what's the character of Christ, what's the character of God, all the other ones make sense, but then he gets to this gentleness, and I'm like, I don't want to be gentle. And, and I don't want to, like, a, a God that's gentle kind of, like, weirds me out a little bit. Because I don't get it. And as I'm studying this week, I, I begin to really see what Paul was talking about and really understanding what the first century church would have understood when Paul used this word gentleness and how this was manifested in the life of Jesus Christ. Specifically, 
in Matthew's account in Matthew 11. This is Jesus talking, and he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is Light. Now, this is often preached in church, and it's talking, and we talk about, oh, God wants to take away the, you know, He wants to give you His yoke. Jesus wants to give you his, his, his yoke. But the first century church, this was an agrarian culture, so they would have understood the whole idea of a yoke being a, a piece of wood that would go over two oxen as they would plow a field, and it was helped to keep them together, but also to help to keep them on course. But the first century listener would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying here. Jesus first says, come to me. So this is an invitation. This is a little bit different than the invitation he gives John and Andrew in first, in, that he gives them in, in John chapter 1 when he says, come and see. It's an invitation, an inquisitive invitation. But here Jesus is calling them to him. Very intimately calling them to them. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are weary or, or, or tired. Anybody tired? Come on. If you got kids, you're tired. <laughs> all who are weary, all who are tired, all who are burdened. He's saying those who are feel like you're, you're carrying something, whether that's an expectation, an unmet expectation, whether that's a, a, a vocation you don't want to be in, whether that's a, a difficulty in your body, in your spirit. And he says, I will give you rest. And Jesus wants to make this beautiful exchange. He said, take my yoke. And exchange my yoke for what you are carrying. Because I am gentle and humble. Jesus is saying, I want you to be my student. I'm calling you to be my disciple." This was a call to the early church to enter into the rabbinical system, the system of discipleship, the system of apprenticeship with Christ. And he says, take on my character, which is one of gentleness, one of reliance. But here's the deal. Gentleness doesn't often make sense in our heads or in our hearts because we get it all twisted. Because no one wants to be gentle. You're not going to walk out of this room this morning and get into your car in the parking lot and be gentle. Right? Like that is your time to exert your power over people. Watch out. I'm coming through. But here, the actual translation would have been closely translated to the idea of a stallion. A stallion, a wild stallion that was now tamed. That doesn't mean that that stallion doesn't have the ability to go, the ability to run fast, the ability to exert its strength. But the stallion would find itself under control, which is our definition of gentleness. I broke it down like this, power under control. It's power under control. The power is God's work, is God's doing. The control is how I live out this gentleness 
in my life. We are fruitful when we are gentle. Or we have the character of Jesus when we are gentle. Not pink sash, long blonde hair, Jesus gentle. I mean, Jesus coming back, riding on a horse with King of Kings, Lord of Lords, tattooed on his inner thigh, but knowing that he's coming in to usher in something new. So when he's ushering in, he needs to come in differently than we expected. Jesus could have came in and said, I got the legions of heaven on my side. I'm going to come in and I'm going to just turn this world upside down. But instead, God the Father in all his wisdom chooses for the son to come in the world as a child. As a child to show us this 33 and a half year lesson of what it looks like to have power under control. And the greater impact that happens when that power is under control. I want to share with you a few things just really quickly this morning of ways that you can be fruitful in your life, in your relationships, in your gentleness. We will be fruitful when we are gentle with our critics. Look at what says Titus. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. This is actually a text for pastors and the leaders of the church, but I think it translates beautifully to us. Teach the truth, not your truth, but God's truth. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about this. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say in this world, you might have trouble. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Listen, we will find ourselves in situations where you will have critics. Where you will have critics. But with our critics, we need to think about the long game. We need to think about the long game with our critics. So that we can teach God's truth. Any Costco fans in the house? Come on, come on. Who loves Costco? Everybody loves Costco. Who loves a chicken at Costco? That rotisserie chicken. Come on, somebody. We love that rotisserie chicken at Costco. Me and Pastor Larry, we really love that chicken at Costco. Do you know this? Last year, Costco sold 87 million of those chickens 87 million chickens and they lost 40 million dollars selling them at that price they lost 40 million dollars selling them at the price but what's costco doing costco says listen if i get you in this store to buy this 5.99 chicken you will leave here with a jacuzzi And all the husbands said, amen. (laughs) They're thinking about the long game. When we come to our critics, I've got to think about the long game. So I can't take their criticism so deeply to heart 
that it changes my trajectory and I'm no longer operating out of gentleness. You know, there's uh, neurons in our body. We got neurons in our body that are called mirror neurons that will reflect what we are receiving. And typically when aggression comes towards us, our response neurologically is to mirror it. But, but what if we held our flesh as captives and we wouldn't allow our critics to interfere with our witness? We're gentle, we're fruitful when we're gentle with our critics. Number two, we're fruitful with our critics when we are, we're fruitful with our gentleness when we look at the outlook differently. It says this in first Peter, second Peter, next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly, gladly letting God have his way with you. If I'm allowing God to be in control, if I'm allowing my God to steer my directions and to steer my desires, then I can easily put aside what I think I want. My outlook shifts when it becomes about what God's calling and less about what I want. I think nowadays we have so many Christians that are fretting because of our preferences. And the second our preferences get interfered on or get bumped against, our outlook on life changes. When I can't have things my way, when I can't have my Burger King Christianity or my Starbucks Christianity, then I, I, I get all out of sorts. And my outlook on God and the community of faith changes. But God hasn't changed. He's saying, learn to put aside your desires. Letting God have his way with you. Letting God have his way with me means there should be a gentleness in my spirit. There should be a humility in my spirit where I am under the control of God. We're fruitful when we are gentle with our outlook. Excuse, with outlook. We're fruitful when we're gentle with the noise. Or gentle with the noise. And let me explain this a little clearly. There's so much noise in our world right now. There's so much noise in our world. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. But there's noise vying for our attention. And the noise gets in between the most important 14 inches in our whole body. Between our brain and our heart. And that's where it gets noisy. Every time I open up my phone, every time I log on to Facebook, every time I open up, I watch the news, every time I get into a discussion, you know what happens? The noise. Look, look what it says. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. There's so much banging. There's so much banging. And you know when all that banging happens? We say, we've got to be louder. We've got to be prouder. We've got to be more in charge. Where Jesus, in the midst of a situation that doesn't look too different than the one that we're living in in our modern day, what does he do? He's gentle in spirit. He's gentle in spirit. Jesus could have walked 
to Caesar's palace in Rome. Jesus could have stood before Pilate and said, let me tell you who is in charge. But rather, what does he do? Silently. Silently is led to slaughter. Because Jesus said, I'm going to escalate when necessary. I'm going to escalate and come up to the volume of the noise when it's necessary. And you know when it was necessary for Jesus? When there was injustice, when there was oppression, when there was division. That's when Jesus said, I'm going to escalate. When, when the church, when the, when the family of God was split and, and was severed and splintered. That's why he goes into the synagogue. That's why he goes into the temple and throws over the tables. Because he goes, you are messing up my father's house. Don't be messing up my father's house. And listen, listen, my friends. Come on, somebody. Listen, when we get all up in the noise, we mess up our father's house. When we become clanging symbols rather than voices of reason, rather than voices of, of hope, rather than voices of, of saying, hey, I'm here for the broken and the injustice. I'm here, I'm here for the loss. I'm here for the least of these. And listen, don't take anything I'm saying right now and hear, oh, there's some political thing. No, no, I'm talking about a Christian thing. I'm talking about a Jesus thing. We are fruitful when we are gentle with our tongues, when we are gentle with the tongue. In 1950, there was a, a tremendous forest fire in, uh, the New, in New Mexico. And as the firefighters are putting this forest fire out, there's a, uh, they, they kind of hunker down for a little while and let the, the fire kind of pass over them. But they notice that there's a bear stuck in a tree. The bear didn't fare as well as the firefighters did. And the bear uh, uh, succumbed to a ton of just, just burns all over the bear's body. And it took him uh, about two years to recover. But when that bear recovered, he became, that bear became kind of like the spokesman for fire safety. You guys remember this, kids of the 70s and the 80s? Smoking the bear. Smoking the bear. And what was, it, what was, his, what was his, uh, his phrase? Only you can prevent, prevent forest fires. I remember being a kid watching those commercials, and he's like, only you can prevent forest fires. I was like, you better chill out, Smokey. Whoa, whoa. Do I get any matches on me? Like, what am I doing? But, but the point was to make everyone accountable. To make everyone accountable. Now, you may not be sending forests on fire, but many of us, myself included, set our relationships on fire with the power of the tongue, with a cutting word to our spouse, with a degrading word to our children, with a short word to our co-workers. What does he say? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. Listen, you can, this is where it's about me, and watch the rest is all about others. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be, that it may benefit those who listen. When I'm gentle with my tongue, I am submitting myself and the power of my words under the control of God, that I might be edifying to others to build them up, that I may help them with their needs. And that they may benefit from the words. Only you can stop that fire in your home. Not everything. Married couples, come on, I haven't been married that long. Just 10 years. 
for long enough to know it, it doesn't matter where we go to eat lunch. Like, like the stuff, right, right? Like the stuff that we get so upset about that I, me and Jen, that we just go at each other about, that we cut each other about, are these simple things that it's like, if I was just thinking about her and how I'm building her up, how I'm meeting her needs, and how what, am I, what I'm saying is beneficial to her, it, it changes all of those things. When I'm gentle with my tongue. When we're gentle with our response. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. You see, there's two ways that you can respond to things. You can respond to things proactively or you can respond to things reactively. Proactively or reactively. When I respond proactively, proactively, I'm saying, listen, I understand I understand that there needs to be self-control. When I respond reactively, I'm saying I am other-controlled. You can either be other-controlled or you can be self-controlled. But that all comes from how much gentleness is inside of you. We respond, excuse me, we are fruitful when we are gentle with our opportunities. Or oh, I could have put witnesses, but witness doesn't start with an O. And this will make sense in the end. It says, it's just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Listen, like a nursing mother who is tender, who is, who is gentle who is caring, and that's how she exhibits her love. That's how we are to exhibit our love, not only by sharing the gospel, which is key. You've got to share the good news of Jesus Christ, but you've got to share your lives as well. You can't walk into your office space and go, hey, come with me this Sunday to Northgate, or you're going to hell. <laughs> People have tried that. Doesn't work. But as I bring the good news of Jesus Christ, but I do it so in a way that it's like, I'm gentle. I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are so that I can share with you not just the gospel, but I can share with you my life. People are so much more likely to hear our witness, to hear your story of salvation. I love those beautiful stories played earlier. To hear your story of transformation when it's done gently. And the best way to do that is by doing life together. Doing life together, slow and easy. And then there's that opportunity to present Jesus. And lastly, when we are gentle with our love, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Jesus exhibits this on the cross. Truly power under control. Power.
power under control as he's, as he's nailed to the cross and, and he's s- s- nailed there muttering to himself, my God, my God, what, why have you forsaken me? He's muttering to himself, it is, it is finished. And people are laughing at him. And, and hey, if you're the king, just, just get yourself down. But what does he do? He succumbs to it to show his true power. To show, to show, to show infinite restraint. To give what was needed for others. To give what was needed for others. So he was completely humble and gentle that we might know the Father eternally. So my question for you this morning is, do you have the power to be gentle? Do you have the power to be gentle? To take on the character and example of Jesus Christ. Because which one of these seven do you need to focus in on? Do you need to address? Do you need to get under control? The benefits, I believe, have eternal consequences but also temporal effects in our relationships. But in this room this morning, there are some of us who, who can't even fathom this because we yet to understand not the character of Jesus, but the person of Jesus. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I, I want to know this Jesus we want to give you an opportunity in just a little bit to say yes to him. But now as we close with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want you just to think for a moment. I want you to think for a moment. Where do I need to see gentleness? Where do I need to see gentleness in my life this week? Is it with my critics? Is it with my opportunities, the noise, the tongue? Is it with my responses? Is it with our love? Is it with our outlook? God, may you begin to do a work in us that we may take on the likeness of your son, Christ Jesus. That we may be gentle in spirit for the sake of those nearest to us and for the sake of your gospel. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you thank Carl with me? You dropped the thunder. That was great. Uh, I'm actually going to invite all of you to stand up with me, including at our Bethel location. I'll dismiss you in just a moment, but if you'll just hang with me, Bethel, and here at the Benicia campus. Thank you so much for being here with us, but what a powerful message. And uh, here's what I want to say. If you're here today, we don't want to pass up that opportunity. If you're here today, uh, the message is, is, is really simple. When you give up control, there is something powerful that happens. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're in the city today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus you get to hear a lot about who Jesus is and what his character is about and what it does in our life and the fruit that it produces. 
But whatever we talk about, our theology here is real simple. It just boils down to this. That there's nothing so broken in your life that God cannot mend. There's nothing so dead in your life that he cannot resurrect. And there's nothing so lost, wherever at in your life, that he cannot find again. So if you're here today and, and you just feel like just God or just something tugging on you, allow him to start doing that transformative work in your life today. Because it might be time to start putting power under control and giving that up and letting him take the wheel. So if you're here today or you're here at Bethel campus, you're going to have opportunity to come forward and just let that process start. I'm actually going to dismiss you now to Pastor Jesse if you're at our campus. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, if you're here today, I would love to invite you to come forward at the end of the service. There's people that would love to pray with you. They'll just give you next steps in your pursuit of who God is. It's not all the answers. It's a journey. It's a new beginning. It's a new understanding. And so if that's you, we want to invite you up front. Um, figure that out. You can let us know on that card. Um, but don't leave this place without allowing God to start doing that transformative work in you, in your heart, in your family, in your home, in the community. It's powerful. Um, if this is one of your first times with this, so glad to meet you. Um, would love to get an opportunity. Give us a couple weeks to get to know us. Um, next week, we're going to be wrapping this thing up. Um, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. And then baptisms, like there's just so much good stuff coming up here in the fall. Um, but check in with us. If, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you or celebrate with you. You can put that in your cards along with your generous giving, your dollar club stuff in the box in the back of this room. Um, and may we see lives continue to be transformed um, through the power of Jesus. Uh, and I'm excited to do this with you. I would love to send you off the blessing. through this posture where we hold out our hand, which is really just uh, giving up control <laughs> and receiving his power, his, his gracious gift. So may we this week be blessed with the opportunity to put power under his control and see what happens. Love you guys a lot. See you next week.